Father, we pray over Brother Phil, Lord, that you bring the word that you've given him to us. And Lord, may we be receptors of this. May you prepare our hearts and minds to receive what you give from him today. And thank you for him and his faithful service. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. It's good to be here today, isn't it? Glad to see all of you. And it seems that Sunday after Sunday, there's a few more that are here that have been watching on Zoom. But we're glad that there are those that are joining us by the technology that's available today. And though they're unable to come because of the circumstances of this pandemic, uh, they can still join us, and we're thankful for that. All right, let's, uh, you know, this world is existing in chaos these days. We're well aware of that as a result of this pandemic and also the contested election that we recently experienced. So how should we as Christians live in the midst of this chaos? Well, I believe the Lord has impressed on me that we should uh, get back to the basics of the Christian life as taught in the New Testament. So I was uh, working on this message before last Sunday, and I didn't know that Randy was going to present basically the same message from Colossians, the third chapter. And so after last Sunday, I... Uh, Wondered if I should seek the Lord for a different message. And so I prayed about it. And I believe that the Lord wants me to go ahead with this message from Ephesians chapter 4. It's amazing how the Apostle Paul, in each of his epistles, which are really letters that he wrote to the various churches that he had established, that he concluded, or at the latter part of his epistle, or letter to these churches, he always gave some very practical instruction about how to live this Christian life. So, even though some of the same things that are in Colossians, the third chapter, are also in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and in other places in the epistles, uh, it's the Apostle Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, emphasizing to all of us how we should live our daily Christian life. Now, Ephesians has been called the Alps of the New Testament, and it's one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. So I'd like for us to begin to look through this fourth chapter Incidentally, we're taking uh, the scriptures from the New Living Translation. So, we have uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, the, the Apostle Paul was writing from a Roman prison. And Paul was actually making himself known to these people uh, in a very practical way with his teaching, but 
the teaching that he was giving them and about to give them in this uh, chapter that we're going to go through was something that if, if he were here today, if the Apostle Paul were right here in the flesh today, he could proclaim these truths that are contained in this chapter to all of us, and they would be very accurate. They would be very up-to-date. They would be very appropriate for us today, just as they were for the Ephesian church way back in that first century. And so we see that he goes on saying, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other after, or with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So this is how he starts this teaching in this fourth chapter. We all have faults, don't we? And so we recognize that we're still human after all. And so it would be uh, like if we were like others to make allowances for us. If we recognize that we do have these faults and we are hopeful that others will make allowances for those faults. Then we ought to be very careful to make allowances for them, shouldn't we? To remember the scripture that says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we find that scripture in Luke 6, chapter, verse 31. And if we really love one another, we will make allowances for one another's faults. Love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? And so we are to be humble and patient. And that's the, start, the starting place here. The scriptures tell us to be, to in fact, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God in 1 Peter 5 6. If we will humble ourselves, then He won't have to humble us. And uh, I think you probably could figure out that it would be a lot better for us to do it ourselves than to have the Lord do it because He has ways of accomplishing things that might not be quite as comfortable as we would like, but it will achieve a good end. And so, remember what the Scripture says, that He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He not only resists them, He actually, the, the Scripture would indicate that He opposes the proud. We remember that it was pride that caused Satan to fall from heaven because uh, he was an anointed angel, the chief among them, an honored angel in heaven, but he wanted to go higher. He wanted to be above God, and his pride lifted him up and, of course, brought him down as he was brought down because of his uh, exercise of the sin of pride. So, if we are really humble... We will be also a gentle person, gentle to those around about us. And then we are told to be patient. Some folks pray for patience and they say, Lord, I need it right now. And uh, they express their impatience in their prayer for patience. And uh, we're kind of that way, aren't we? It's so easy to be a little bit impatient in this hurried world in which we live. We are constantly on the go. We are going from this to that, and we expect everything to work very quickly. 
It's kind of a push-button age. We expect to push the right buttons and have things happen immediately. And uh, so when they don't, well, we, we get a little frustrated about all of that. The Bible says, however, that it's the testing of our faith that produces patience in James, the first chapter and third verse. My late wife, Lois, that uh, Randy referred to quite a bit this morning, prayed for patience when we were actually planting that church in Irving. And the Lord gave us twins. And you know, I don't think uh, Lois ever prayed for patience again after that. <laughs> so the trial of our faith works patience. And so if we need patience in our life, let's allow these things that come our way to produce it in us and react to these things that happen that seem to be adverse with a little patience and know that the Lord has everything under control and he's going to work it all out for our benefit and for his glory. Amen. Well, let's look at verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You know, if uh, it just takes some time for the effect of these things to be worked out in our lives, and uh, it also takes some effort on our part to keep being united in the Spirit. If we keep full of the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will keep us as united as one in Christ. But we do need to put forth that effort to keep full of the Holy Spirit. It means staying in God's Word daily. It means seeking Him earnestly every day and praying in the Spirit on a regular basis. And those are things that we can do to continue to be full of the Holy Spirit. Walk with Him and let Him live big in you. He dwells in you, the Holy Spirit does. If you're a Christian, you've invited Jesus into your heart, He comes in by the Holy Spirit. And He's living there within you. And so it's a good idea to encourage Him to live big in you. And do in you all that needs to be done so you can be really full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, in that way, uh, you can uh, find yourself bound with other Christians in uh, this wonderful peace that the Lord gives. So the peace the Lord gives is that kind of peace that the Scripture says passes on all understanding over in Philippians 4.7. And so we remember that old hymn Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. It's a good old hymn, and it's so true. 
One day when we get to heaven, we will see the Prince of Peace face to face. That's going to be a great day, isn't it? And we look forward to it. Well, let's look at the scripture again. Let's see what verse 4 says. In fact, this passage is something we want to go through a little quicker than some of the others and not make as many comments. And then we'll get down to some uh, other scriptures toward the end of this chapter that we want to talk a little more about. But this part is important as well. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. He helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's go ahead into verse 17, shall we? With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives us, uh, gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Can we see how practical that is for our day? Can we look around us and see some of these things that were mentioned in this passage very evident in the world in which we live? Yes, I believe we can. And let's go on to verse 20. But that 
isn't what you have learned about Christ since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We are to have a real responsibility in this business of throwing off the old sinful nature and our former way of life. The Lord will help us to do that, but we have to do it. The Holy Spirit will renew our thoughts and our attitudes. But not only that, we should put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So here's what we need to do. We need to throw off some things of the old nature. We need to let the Spirit renew us. And then we need to put on the new nature that will be like the Lord Jesus. That's the Christian life that we are to live. Well, let's look at verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. It is true that honesty is the best policy, and as Christian people, we should be so filled with honesty and truthfulness that everyone around us will recognize that they can always depend on what we say. Because they know that we are people of the truth and we're going to tell the truth. Sometimes, however, the truth may be hurtful to someone else. In which case, it would probably be better for us to remain silent. Just because we know something doesn't mean we have to tell it, especially if it's going to be hurtful to someone else. Now, of course, there are occasions when we might be aware of some criminal activity and it should be reported to the authorities so that uh, that criminal activity can be taken care of and it won't uh, continue. But uh, in other situations, just because we know something doesn't mean we have to spread it far and wide. You know, that kind of sounds like gossip, doesn't it? And the Lord sure teaches us against gossip. Well, let's go on to verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know, we have enough trouble with the devil without giving him a foothold. Uh, he's going to badger us plenty. And if we start cooperating with him and giving him a foothold in our life, well, that makes it all the worse. And so that's not a very smart thing to do, is it? Uh, this scripture tells us that if anger is controlling us, it is sin. And you know, that's a quotation, actually, from Psalms, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse. So that very phrase is in the Bible twice. There's got to be a reason why the Lord put it in twice. And we need to recognize that. So the Lord will help us to overcome anger and calm us down 
And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, according to 1 John 1, 9. But how much better it would be for us to control that anger and never let it control us. And then it doesn't become sin in our life and uh, something that we would have to confess and receive forgiveness for. Well, let's go on to verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. You know, there are many ways to steal something that doesn't belong to you other than burglarizing someone's house or shoplifting from a store. Some people steal by cheating. Others steal money from their employer, that their employer is paying them to do work, but they're loafing on the job. So actually, they're stealing that money from him, aren't they? Because they're not doing what they're being paid to do. And I certainly hope that no Christian would ever steal from the government by cheating on their income tax. Surely not. Well, let's go on and read verse 29 here before I get into trouble. Or ver let's see, yes, yeah, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, we all recognize that physical abuse is terrible. But you know, so is verbal abuse. Uh, words can hurt you. Well, we, we used to, probably when some of you at least were kids, you heard sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But that's not true, is it? Because words can hurt you. That can hurt you really sometimes more than the physical uh, things would. So even though there are some married couples that are living in an abusive relationship with no physical blows being thrown at all, we recognize that that is a very serious situation. And so instead of that kind of thing, Christians, in everything that we say, we should be good and helpful uh, so that we can be an encouragement to others. How important it is to say those things that are a blessing to someone. Say things that uplift and that are positive. And uh, if we can't think of something good and uplifting and positive to say, wouldn't hurt to just be quiet. Sometimes some of us find it hard to be quiet. We just blurt out things that whatever comes to our mind. Shame on us. Help us, Lord, to control our tongue. James talks about that in his epistle, and he said that's pretty hard to do, to tame the tongue. But with the Lord's help, we can do it, and we need to do it. Well, let's look at verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember 
He has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You know, sometimes I think we need to apologize to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us for the things that we subject him to because he hears all the things we hear. He goes to all the places we go. He sees all the things we see. And we should think about that. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Holy Spirit. And help us to be careful what we say, what we do, what we see, what we hear. These are things the Holy Spirit who dwells within us are seeing and hearing and noticing what we are doing. And maybe is totally embarrassed by it all. So Lord, help us with that. And then what a wonderful promise he has given here that he has identified us as his own and he guarantees that we will be saved on the day of redemption. Jesus is coming soon. And so that day of redemption is drawing near. And Jesus paid the ultimate price for us and he's going to claim those that he has redeemed soon, very soon. And so we need to be looking forward to that wonderful day that's coming up. Now let's look at verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Do you have bitterness in your heart because you hold a grudge against someone? Get rid of it. Do you frequently use harsh words when speaking to the ones you love? Get rid of those harsh words. And any other type of evil behavior, the Apostle Paul is saying here, get rid of it. You can do it. The Lord will help you. Get rid of it. And then finally, verse 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know, I pray every day that the Lord will help me to be kind. One of the things that I love about my grandson Tyler is that he is a very tender-hearted young man. Forgiveness is so important, isn't it? If we don't forgive others, we will not be forgiven. Did you hear what I just said? If we don't forgive others, we will not be forgiven. That's serious. Jesus told a story about that. It's recorded over in Matthew, the 18th chapter. He said there was a king that called his servants in. Wanted them to give account of the money they owed 
And one of them came in and he owed a million dollars. And the king said, well, this is terrible. How in the world did you ever get that far in debt? You're going to have to pay up and pay up now. If not, you're going to prison. You and your family. Well, that servant fell down at the king's feet. He cried out, oh, sir, please be patient with me. Give me a little more time and I will pay it back. Have mercy on me. And the king had compassion on him. And he actually forgave the whole debt, the million dollars. Well, that servant went out just rejoicing. Oh, 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 I have gotten off of that. Boy, this is great. And he came across another servant, one of his, uh, one of his contemporaries, one of the people that he worked with all the time and recognized that he owed him a few thousand dollars. And he said, by the way, it's time you paid up. And this servant fell down at his feet and said, oh, please have mercy on me. Give me a little time. I can, I can pay this back. No, pay up now or off to prison you go. Oh, sir, I can't pay it now. Please give me a little time. But he wouldn't. And he sent him and his family to prison. Well, some of the other servants recognized what had just happened. And so they came to the king and they said, Your Honor, have you heard about what happened to the servant that came to the one that you had forgiven that huge debt and asked if he be, should be forgiven a, the small debt that he owed? And that servant didn't forgive him. He threw him in prison. The king became very, very angry. He said, bring that guy back in here. And so he came in. And the king said, you wicked servant. I forgave you that huge debt. And now this fellow servant of yours came and begged you to forgive him for the small debt that he owed and you wouldn't do it, and you threw him in prison. So, you wicked servant, it's going to happen to you too. Off to prison you go. And then Jesus concluded that story by saying this, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Pretty serious, isn't it? We are to be a forgiving people because we have been forgiven. Amen. Yes, Lord. By your Holy Spirit, live big in us that we can be all that you would have us to be in this serious day in which we live. Now, Lord, we just pray your blessings on this congregation. May we go forth as bright and shining lights in a dark world. May we stand true to you and be faithful till the end. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
God bless you all.